Welcome to episode 57 of the Thrive for Life podcast. I'm your host, Ashling Daly. I'm a women's empowerment coach and a secondary school teacher. I'm joined today by Loretta Kennedy, who is a mother of three based in Cork. She has a background in psychology and counselling. Loretta is the founder and managing director of Mama Bear Foods, a company which specialises in the production of healthy family condiments and sauces. Loretta is also a keynote speaker and mentor to female entrepreneurs and she's spoken at various health and wellness events like Wellfest, I Wish, Mum Talks and Enterprise Ireland events and she was also voted one of Image Magazine's Women to Watch in 2020. Loretta also recently launched her coaching business and a new online platform that's called Urban Sacred and through Urban Sacred she helps clients and organisations to find clarity and purpose and to achieve their visions and create authentic impact. So Loretta has very generously come on the podcast to share her story about starting her businesses and how leaning into vulnerability in both business and in life, despite how uncomfortable it felt at times, had really positive consequences for her. So vulnerability is about showing up and letting ourselves be seen and we often think of it as a really dark emotion like being the core of fear, shame and anxiety. But the truth about vulnerability is that it's also the birthplace of every positive emotion that we need in our lives like love, belonging, joy and empathy. So I really hope that you enjoy hearing Loretta's story and the insights that she shares into the power of vulnerability. So Loretta, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Delighted to have you as a guest. So you might just start by introducing yourself to the listeners. Tell us a little bit about you. Okay, um, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really, really delighted. Thanks so much, Ashley. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, I'm from the West of Ireland originally, but I'm living in Cork now, um, gosh, about 11 years. Um, and my three children were all born here. So we've a cork household um let me see so my background really um i started out um doing european studies and law at ul uh, i really wanted to be a change maker in the world and you know was really all about justice and inequality in my teenage years and kind of quite rapidly discovered i had no aptitude for the legal side of stuff so i left college after about two and a half years of it and kind of went traveling and did a bit of soul searching um, went back to college and studied various different things um, including psychology um, I did a diploma in general nursing as a mature student as well and then went into counseling so I suppose the last I would say maybe 20 years of my life I've been doing a lot of study in kind of the um, the inner, the inner mind, the inner workings, what makes us tick, who am I, you know, kind of the big questions. Um, and probably one of the, the biggest things that kind of happened in my life was the birth of my children. Um, I'd been a bit of a happy wanderer prior to that and had kind of taken work wherever I found it, never really got onto a big sort of a career thing. Um, and yeah, went traveling in Italy, moved to Italy after a big kind of a breakup from a long-term relationship and um, met a guy from Kilkenny in a pub one night and um, 
you know, 15 years later, here we are in Cork with three children and a house together and, it's, you know, all a bit wild. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's me, really. Um, I have a couple of businesses. Um, one is very new and one is slightly older. And um, I suppose I kind of fell into business, um, really. But um, a little bit like, I suppose, the way my life goes, I, I go with the flow and if something is really intriguing me or is making me very curious or just keeps niggling at me, I, I tend to kind of investigate it a little bit more and that's kind of how Mama Bear Foods was born really. Okay, so tell me a little bit about Mama Bear Foods then and how the whole concept came about. Sure. Um, so um, I was working, I was working with a charity, I worked with charities for um, most of my time here in Ireland. Um, so I was working with a charity and I was working very, very long hours um, and my partner, he works very long hours as well and um, I think my third child had been born and it was just a really, really busy house um, and I just knew that the kids were not kind of getting the right food. I mean, when I had my first child, I mean, my God, I didn't let her have salt or sugar or anything for, you know, the first couple of years. And then by the time the third one arrived, I was just like, yeah, whatever you want, have it. You know, I just, the bar was so low. Um, So I discovered we were actually eating an awful lot of ketchup in the house, or rather the kids were, and I was buying it. And it just made mealtime stuff a bit easier, um, especially for my youngest one, um, who would be kind of, you know, she wouldn't be mad about her veg. Um, so I decided I would just go cold turkey and I wasn't buying it anymore. We had been to the dentist. Um, one of my kids had some cavities and when we went through the diet, it really, it was the amount of ketchup really she was eating. She was having it religiously every day and not just a teaspoon, she was having a huge dollop of it. So um, the stuff I was buying, it was loaded with sugar. And um, I started then, after they revolted about us going cold turkey, um, I started making my own in my kitchen at home. And um, it started out as an idea. Um, I brought a sample to my sister who had just had her sixth baby. And actually, my sister has two businesses. And she got really excited about it. You know, she was like, oh, you should try and sell this and take it to the market. And I was like you know, I'm way too busy to be doing that. Like, starting a business was the furthest thing from my mind. But, um, you know, I was staying with my parents in Westport that night, and I remember the next morning I woke up and I had so many texts on my phone from my sister who had just been doing all this market research while she was up feeding her baby at night about, you know, who my um, competitors were. She basically done a SWOT analysis for me. So I just wow. thought, okay, I need, to, I need to take this to the next level. She was so excited about it. <laughs> um, and, you know, it just went, all doors opened for me, to be honest. Um, so from kind of starting in my kitchen, then I went to farmer's market. Um, then I started working with a manufacturing partner and then I got my product launched and it all happened very, very quickly. I was just very lucky. Um, I just found great camaraderie in court. You know, people were really open to helping me find the right people to help me to get my product to, to shelf. Um, I started out not having a clue, you know, how to go about it. Um, and I quickly learned there is quite a bit of science to it. Um, you know, I'd been maybe doing 100 bottles, 120 bottles myself. And when I then started trying to do, 
you know, orders of like 5,000. It just, um, I needed, I needed all the help I could get. So I got um, a good technologist involved. And um, yeah, it just went from strength to strength. And then I got a listing. My first listing was in Menlo Stores in Cork. And then my second listing was in my local Super Value in Glanmire. And I'll just, you know, the first night actually putting the bottles on the shelves and they were still hot. They were just like fresh out of the pan. I mean, it was really emotional. It was actually so emotional. My eldest daughter was down with me and she was helping me like stock the shelves. And I just thought, oh my God, I can't believe I've done it. I was delighted with myself, you know, and kind of didn't realize that that then is when all the work really starts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, and it's, yeah, it's a whole other ball game then once you've actually put the product out. It's no longer a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're no longer working to actually getting to the end goal. Once you've hit the end goal, there's a whole other kind of landscape then that opens up. So it's it's a really interesting process, um, even in personal development. I think um, they say two of the best personal development courses you can ever take is first one is being a parent and the second one is running your own business mm-hmm. because there all the challenges will come and it's um yeah it's it's really it's really interesting yeah amazing and how how old is that business now how how many years are you running mama bear foods so i launched in november of 2018 with two shops in cork um but obviously if this had been going in the background for about a year prior to that where i've been doing farmers markets and um, just really, I suppose, you know, tinkering around in, in my kitchen with the recipe and trying to get the recipe right. But officially, I suppose my my business really started November 2018. Um, when I went into the first kind of proper, you know, shop and had, you know, my all of my paperwork in order and it was all like I was set up then in retail. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Sounds like an incredible mm. journey. And you've just also launched your your second business, Urban Sacred. So would you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So um, I suppose I've been kind of working with different people over the years. Um, since I started my business, um, I've been asked to do mentoring with women starting their own businesses. And I love doing that. I absolutely love it. Um, I just think, you know, we need more women in business. Um globally because um we we it, it's just it's so important that we're the ones that are driving what's kind of being produced what services are, are you know remain um so i it's something i really really love and i feel very passionately about um but what i found was i found it really hard to find the supports that i was looking for for running you know a profitable but a heart-centered business so my intention with my business was to create something um, that would enable me to kind of be at home a little bit more and get rest periods, and um, but at the same time do something that was really, really fulfilling for me. And I found it really hard to find, you know, people who were kind of talking my language. Um, I found it very kind of linear and very profit-oriented, and um, it was... You know, it was quite difficult for me at the start to get my head around business. So um, when I was speaking with, you know, women who had started their businesses, I could see that, you know, we just had different challenges maybe to men who were starting businesses or who were already in businesses. Um, So I wanted to create a space where an online kind of a platform where um, I would be able to share kind of resources that I had 
you know, found myself or created myself around running businesses, around entrepreneurship, um, and do interviews with women who are successfully, you know, running businesses and not getting burnt out and still being able to find the time to, to create some, some rest for themselves. So I launched Urban Sacred, um, I think it was like, oh gosh, maybe only November. It, like the idea came to me during lockdown um, when I was just getting a lot of messages and voice notes from other women in businesses who were just, you know, letting their businesses go, who were really overwhelmed. And I just wanted to put a, a kind of an online space up there. So Urban Sacred kind of has evolved. Um, so now it's a platform really for all things like entrepreneurship, um, intentional living, health, well-being. And I've also just put my own kind of coaching business up there now recently as well. So it's designed really, I suppose, to be a supportive space. Um, I've a, a, a bit of work to do with it at the moment um, and just at home with the kids. So there isn't a huge amount of space for writing content, but um, I have a ton of stuff that I want to put up. Um, and my intention would be that like, if people find it, that they'll be able to use it as a resource um, and can get in touch with me. And I'm more than happy to share any kind of experience or advice or, you know, and obviously things aren't a one size fits all, but um, I think it's important, you know, that there can be other kind of conversations around how to run a business mm. um, and to do it well and healthily as well in a holistic way. Yeah, that's really powerful. And obviously, you know, your own experience of starting mm. your own business and and the challenges that it, that it surely brings you know that's yeah. of great value and trying to stay true to as you said your your business is a heart-centered or heart-focused business mm. and not losing that side of yourself to the hustle and the the profits and all of that yeah it can be really hard um because there are 101 experts who will give you their tuppence worth and um I remember I was at a point, I spent six months trying to find a 100% recyclable squeezy bottle for my ketchup because all the experts were telling me it had to go in a plastic squeezy bottle and my gut was saying, absolutely not, I want this in glass, I want this in glass. Oh, my kids were coming home, like they're, they're just so environmentally aware. My, my little girl, she wants to go to China and work with pandas and save the pandas, you know. I was like, I'm not, I don't want to add a load of nasty plastic to landfill. But I had to really hold my ground um, when everybody was telling me, no, I, you know, you're, nobody will buy it if it's in glass. And then I suppose about two years ago, there was a massive like swing around and, you know, plastic was out and everybody was talking about, you know, recyclable materials and um, I think it, it's one of those things that you kind of, or I had to really listen to my gut and okay. to listen to what are my non-negotiables, even when people are telling me I'm so wrong. <laughs> and that's hard, but it's it's kind of a trust muscle as well. Like once, once I had done it a couple of times, I was just a lot more confident and saying, no, this is what I'm not budging on. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just not budging on this. So that can be that can be hard as well. Absolutely. And thanks for sharing that. So I suppose the, the topic that we really want to chat about today is vulnerability and mm. and how we can actually start leaning into that a little bit more. And I'd love to just hear your experiences around vulnerability and how you started to become more comfortable with it. So 
so vulnerability I suppose it's about letting ourselves be seen and it can be really really difficult and and terrifying and I think we were both saying just before we recorded this that when when we see other people being vulnerable we can see it as my god they're so brave they're so courageous and we, we can really admire it in other people but in ourselves we we often tend to to perceive it as a weakness so so how would you describe your relationship with vulnerability um like growing up would you have been comfortable being vulnerable or is it something that you've managed to start leaning into a little bit more in recent years um well growing up i wouldn't have called myself vulnerable at all um i suppose i'm I'm the eldest child of five and would have been very self-reliant very self-sufficient um, but I just gotten on with things, you know, um, kind of cause minimal amount of fuss, just, you know, plow through it. Um, you know, when I think back, I suppose I had a lot of problems in my own head and solved them myself without really looking for outside help or support or resources. And that's just how I managed myself growing up. So I carry that through into my adulthood. I think having my children um, from the start taught me that I really needed to and ask for support when I needed it. Um, and I learned to do that the hard way, really, you know, kind of the face of I'm grand, I'm grand, but like not being able to answer the phone when somebody was phoning me because I was just in a ball of tears, you know. So, you know, definitely I think I've been learning how to lean into it more um, in stops and starts. And usually, though, it would have taken a crisis, really, to get me to kind of reach out and go, oh, my God, I need help. You know, I, I need support here. Please, everyone come to my rescue now. Um, but I think I'm, I'm getting an awful lot better at it now, um, thankfully, you know, because, as you said, I'm so able uh, to support and to see other people being really vulnerable and I just like I just really respect them and their courage but then when it comes to me it can it can bring up all sorts of feelings of like just like shame and being incompetent and and things like that yeah Mm. and I know you mentioned before about a a a pitch that you were doing for your business and how Mm. you felt very exposed but actually being vulnerable in that moment led to some amazing things so would you mind just sharing a little bit about that sure um yeah I think it was probably when I look back it was such a pivotal moment for my business and I you know it's taken me a good year and a half to, to even see that now um so I was very lucky I was part of a business program and uh, I was learning all things, you know, about business and pitching and all of that. And, you know, I was delighted with myself. I'd launched my product. I was in two shops in Cork. And, I mean, I love chatting to people. So I was like, this would be great. You know, um, it was a, kind of a mock dragon's den pitch. And there were three of the dragons had come down from Dublin um, to do this kind of whole day where there were about 10 of us doing these different pitches and I remember I was in the afternoon and I was really genuinely excited because I had you know launched my products and I was on cloud nine you know and um, I went in and they were just all in front of me at a long table and um, and I was fine all I had was my presentation so I was doing my presentation and um, then one of the dragons started asking me um just a question about my product 
and I answered it as best I could but the answer wasn't enough and um, yeah like they just kept at me and just kept at me and just kept at me and kind of wouldn't let it go and I could feel myself like I, I had I was digging my nails into my uh, into my fingertips I was like just God don't cry don't cry like I could feel myself just wobbling and then I felt my face going totally red I felt the sweats coming and next thing I just started bawling like bawling and it all came out it just it all came out I was like it was just full-on like you know ugly crying like snotty nose tears everywhere there wasn't a tissue in the room I had like no props I had nowhere to hide and just like these people just looking at me I couldn't even look at them and I couldn't recover it just kept it just kept coming like Mm. I just it was bottomless you know and I just they were like okay look at maybe we'll just we'll finish up and I was like I'm I'm gone I'm going I'm going I'm going and I just like I ran out the door went into the bathroom and I just remember like looking at myself in the mirror and I just I just saw this exhausted like red-faced person in front of me and I just felt so ashamed. I just felt so, so ashamed of myself. Um, couldn't believe how this had happened or where it had come from. And just, I felt disgraced, you know, that I'd really disgraced myself. So I, I remember, like, I snuck out of the building. I pulled over my car. I phoned my partner. I was bawling. And I just said, are you at home? I just, I need to, I just need to be somewhere, you know, safe. Please, will you be home when I get home? And um, I remember, like, going to bed really early and just, oh, the, the, the whole, like, shame hangover was kicking in mm. big time, you know? It was it was horrendous. And then my phone was ringing and I was getting texts and I was ignoring everything. Um, so I ignored everything. And then the next morning, kind of the director of the course had phoned me and she had heard and she was just, she was really angry, I suppose, about what had happened but wanted me to come in so she could support me and I just, I, I wasn't going to do that. Um, and then I had two missed calls from one of the dragons and I was like, well, I'm not talking to him, like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not talking to any of them ever again. Who the hell do they think they are? Like, they made me cry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, I think two days later I phoned him and um, he was just, he was so kind and he just was, you know, he just said, I could see it coming. Um, He said, I could see you were just so shaken and I could see the tears coming. And he said, I felt so awful that I couldn't do anything to help you. Um, He said, you know, it really, it shouldn't have happened. And, And then he just said to me, you're exhausted, aren't you? And I just, you know, it was like, yes, I'm totally exhausted. I've got three kids. I've got a, a you know, a, a part-time, full-time job, and I'm trying to run this business. I'm wrecked. I'm getting by on four or five hours sleep a night. Um, and he was like, and have you any support? And I was just, you know, kind of going, no, I don't. Like, I'm starting out my business. It's me, myself, and I. And I I pretty much am doing it all. And he, he just, he was so compassionate and the thing that really struck with me and really what he said was, you know, he's seen loads, he's seen loads of pitches in his life. And he said, usually, like, it's a salesperson who'll come in and they really have no emotional attachment to what they're selling or what they're pitching. It's just a job. 
but what he saw with me was just how close I am to to my business that it's my baby you Mm. know and that I felt so protective of my baby that I didn't want my baby criticized in any way I was just so exhausted from trying to bring up this baby and nurture this baby and I was doing it all on my own and I was crying again at that point Mm -hmm. when he said that because I just felt like I had been seen. I just felt like he sees that I'm just wrecked, you know, and I'm I'm just so wrecked. And um, I just said, yes, I said, I am. That's exactly where I'm at. So then he said, I have a proposal for you and don't feel under any obligation, um, but I would like to mentor you for free. Um, I want to help you. Um, I think you've got a great business. I think it could do really, really well. He said, I, you know, he said just some really beautiful things to me and said, I'd like to start mentoring you and help you just to be a bit more strategic and to get your head around all of this stuff that you're finding really difficult. And the following week, we started uh, mentoring sessions. That was in November of 20, no, no, sorry, that was January of 2019. That month then, I applied um, to work with a major supermarket chain, which I would never have done beforehand because I just I just wouldn't have gone there in my head. My I just wasn't kind of expanded enough in terms of like my business kind of goals. Um, and March then of 2019, I pitched to that supermarket chain and got a, a, a huge contract from them. And that then put the whole ball rolling for me about actually stepping up, I suppose, to my business and feeling like I was actually really, really investing in my business properly. Um, so it was it was massive. It was absolutely massive, you know. Amazing. Um, yeah, it was a real it, catalyst it, for your for your business growth and business journey. But, you know, you touched on some really important points there about vulnerability. You know, you obviously didn't choose to be vulnerable in that moment, but it happened. And the shame that you mentioned, that's such a, a big thing around vulnerability, isn't it? That shame, that feeling of being seen as maybe less than perfect and being seen as human. And But also what you mentioned about how he phoned you and how he was so um, compassionate, that vulnerability really does create connection, doesn't it? Absolutely, and really authentic connection. Mm. I mean, he wasn't kind of phoning me to just kind of tick it off the list, say, yeah, no, I I checked in and she's grand. He was genuinely, like, actually just, he was moved, you know, when he just was like, and you know, and his words were, you know, I I really, I I saw you, I really saw you, and I just, in, in that whole pitch, I just saw, I saw you with your baby, and, um, you know, it was authentic and it was real and yeah, it was messy, messy as hell, but I mean, this is, this is real life and it's kind of the stuff that we're not kind of maybe shown that often that we don't see publicly and the behind the scenes of trying to actually grow a business and of just how exhausting emotionally that can be. Um, oftentimes you, you do, you just see kind of the highlight reel of, you know, I started from naught and now I'm at a hundred and it all happened overnight. When the reality is that many people hold down a full-time job while they're trying to get their business off the ground. 
and it's crazy. It's it's just so so difficult. Um, and I think yeah, it was in in that whole moment that he he reached out with a real genuineness and real sincerity. Um, and actually, it was interesting because the other dragon also got in touch with me. But it just, it felt different. Mm. <laughs> Energetically, it was different. <laughs> it, it seemed more like a box ticking exercise, whereas, you know, his was from a place of genuine, like, compassion and I want to help, you mm. know. So maybe, yeah. maybe in your vulnerability and showing the real you, you attracted exactly the type of person that you were meant to work with. You know, you were able to discern mm. between what felt right and felt wrong. Absolutely. And mm. I think I just felt like he had really seen me in all of my messiness and knew what it was about. He knew just from looking at me just how exhausted I was and named it and allowed me then to, to name it as well instead of pretending, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I am I can do it all, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first time I'd actually said, yes, I'm, I'm so tired, I'm so ready to just like close this thing down, you know. Um, so he, he came in at the right time um, and was the person who really kind of held my hand. And I think my confidence wasn't great um, at all, you know, and he really helped me build up my confidence so much so that within three months I was pitching to head buyers and just going in my own head like that was a brilliant pitch you know and I couldn't have done any better and if I don't get it that's okay because I feel like I did that really well and to the best of my ability and you know that was my turnaround Mm. Um, and I think if I hadn't had that sort of intervention nearly or that support I could well have closed my business and Mm. just kind of left it and then I've had that's still hanging over me in relation to anything new that I might start that if ever I had to do a pitch again I would just you know go to pieces yeah um so it was it was just it was huge you know and at the time I oh I didn't even kind of really grasp the significance Mm. of it um so what what felt like maybe a breakdown at the time really was a breakthrough moment for you absolutely absolutely and I think if I had done that pitch you know superficially you know coasting and saying yeah I'm fine and these are my figures and my projections and, and all of that um you know it, it's it's kind of a one-dimensional way of operating because running a business is just there's just so many different dimensions to it and um I, I really think people don't talk often enough about the real difficulties and oftentimes the real difficulties, it's not around getting investors or, or things like that. Like for small businesses, it's actually um, keeping going when there's no guarantee and you have no support and you're kind of doing it all by yourself with perhaps a day job in the background and maybe a couple of kids who all have their own needs as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he was he was the right person actually at the right time. Um, and you mentioned as well that having your children that that kind of launched you into um having to be vulnerable in a sense too yeah um so i have three children and my first child we lived in london after she was born and you know it was it was fine i had my kind of i I was fine with her but after my second child was born um i had ptsd 
and kind of found out I was pregnant with my third child a year later. So my last two babies are very, very close together. Um, and it was after my second girl was born. It was, you know, the first time that I really, um, I realized that I was, I was in a bad way and I really needed all, like all the King's horses, all the King's men, I needed everybody to come in like really, really quickly. And I wasn't able to get that ball rolling myself because I was in avoidance. You know, I just wasn't answering the phone when people were checking in on me. I just couldn't, I, I just wasn't, I was just crying the whole time. I was, you know, really, really not in a good place. And uh, it was my sister again, who kind of, you know, started putting calls out to people and, um, you know, I had to get my mother-in-law down. <laughs> I had to, you know, my mother came down. Um, I had um, counselling was set up. Um, loads of mental health nurse was visiting, like, really regularly. Um, I remember, like, one of my neighbours at one point kind of going, oh, who's that? And I just was like, that's the mental health nurse. She's here to see me, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it was like, oh, my God, you know, um, because, you know, there's still a little bit of stigma around um around that, around um, those mental health issues and, and postpartum care. Um, but it was, it was a big learning curve for me and, you know, and I overcame it and by the time then my, I was due with my third baby, I knew exactly what I needed in place. I knew I needed all the support there, like prior to her birth. Um, my counselling had started again uh, while I was kind of pregnant with her. Um, so I, I really, I had everything lined up because I just thought if I fall apart, I need to be, I need to be supported. I need to be caught this time before I hit the ground. Mm. Um, and it, it actually, it was a beautiful birth and it was such a healing um, birth. Actually, it was amazing. It was amazing. And it all went fine. Um, it's only now she's eight that she's causing all the, the problems because mm. <laughs> she's the, the ruler of the roost. But it, it was a it was a big thing for me to actually to kind of go yeah you know what I'm not coping at all I I need I need so much help here um you know I was you know kind of nearly afraid to leave the house and afraid to stay in the house and didn't want to be on my own and then didn't want loads of people it was just a really difficult time mm. um so yeah but you know overcame it um, so so would you say the learn would you say the learning is you know that that asking for help isn't a sign of weakness. So, you know, after your second child, maybe it, it felt like if you were to ask people around you for help, that you'd have been perceived as being weak. Would you say that kind of is what, what the learning was? Yeah, definitely. And I also think um, probably the first time, so after my second child was born, I was in a place of crisis. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for help from a place of crisis and, um, you know, whereas the next time round, um, I wasn't in crisis. I just knew it was the support that I needed. Um, I needed to be in place and I was a lot more direct and a lot more, I knew what I needed and I was asking for it, um, you know, very directly mm -hmm. without, you know, kind of, saying oh I'm really sorry now to put you out you know and there was none of that it was a case of so I need you this week and I need you this week I was you know directing really and yeah. um, and it was it was about lining up all the support that I thought I, I, I could possibly need and um, so yeah 
So you were able to be more proactive because you knew from your experience what you needed to do for yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, it's very empowering. It felt so empowering. And I really believe it's what really helped with um, that kind of period going really, really well and going so well um, because I was just so much more proactive and so much more able to um, to look after myself and to know what I needed to look after myself yeah. um, and to have no shame about asking for it. You know, it was like if if I'm if I'm not okay, it's it's not going to be pretty. Like I need to be okay. <laughs> yeah, and from yeah. those experiences, from that pitch, and from your experience after the birth of your second child, would you say that you're you more consciously lean into vulnerability now, or or that you're starting to become more comfortable with it, or or what's your experience now around vulnerability? I'm definitely a lot more comfortable with it. Um, I'm, I, you know, I still do find it challenging to ask for certain things, and I have it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, so I have to make a conscious effort. You know, even say now, like homeschooling with the kids and trying to work and you know do all of these different things. Um, I like my go-to is to just plow on and to do it myself. Whereas, you know, last week I really needed to take a step back and kind of say to my partner, I need to sit down with you. We need to talk about this. Like, I, I'm really not feeling great. I'm really overwhelmed here. Um, and to say, what, how can we divide this up? Or, you know, what what can we do differently? Um, and about just, you know, kind of going, yeah, I'm not coping. I, I need something to change here. What, what can we do sort of together as, as a family to mm-hmm. make this better? Um, so I'm definitely a lot more proactive about it, but I have to work on it because my go-to is just to kind of play on, you know? Yeah, and would you say that, like, dropping that whole perfectionism is is a, a big part of embracing vulnerability? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Perfectionism, it just doesn't exist, you know? Um, and the bar can be set so high. Um, I think, you know, sometimes we just you know, we need to do what's right for ourselves. Um, but that can be really hard if we're kind of programmed to, to just kind of keep going and stuff. So um, it's it's a huge thing. It is, yeah, really, really big. Yeah, and that perfectionism, I think a lot of people struggle with that and it definitely hinders our willingness to lean into vulnerability. And I think it's, you know, vulnerability is about embracing the uncertainty, isn't it? And it's it, it can be messy. Um, whereas... Yeah when you're in that perfectionist mode it's about controlling that you know you're being perceived as per- perfect it's all about what other people will think it's kind of other people focused isn't it yeah completely and I think as well I mean I was really comparing say you know my experience of of say the birth with other friends who had had babies around the same time and you know it just I was like oh my god like mine was nothing like that and you know um, I ended up having um an emergency cesarean um and I, I say a cesarean birth I don't like to say cesarean section so I always call it a cesarean birth um but it was an emergency and really um I I was reeling after it you know because it wasn't how I had thought things were going to go um and there were many many factors involved but you know I had set something up on such a high kind of a, a pedestal or a high standard I wasn't making any allowances for you know um 
my my own body and life and you know the the, the things that we have no control over um, and it's I suppose kind of a couple of years later and I've done a lot of work around it I really reflected back on kind of the journey of you know that pregnancy and the lead up to the birth and it was actually really beautiful you know so I had really kind of framed my whole narrative around just the end part whereas the whole kind of journey itself was was actually really really gorgeous so um you know i think sometimes the perfectionism can be around like the end goal as well and we forget that we've been through a really long process that has actually been really perfect in its own way well um, that's lovely yeah. to be able to look back at it that way now and see it that way mm, yeah it's taken a while you know but um i think it's it's you know it's important that women talk about these things as well because I see you know perfectionism everywhere you know and mm-hmm. I think it's it's just really important that we have conversations around the fact that sometimes you know life does its own thing and we can still be okay with that you know mm. so there's a lot there around surrender too isn't there just surrendering to whatever Absolutely. is unfolding and going with yeah. it. Yeah, and not holding too tightly or grasping too tightly because, you know, that can be really traumatic, you know. Mm. And so, Loretta, what would you say to someone who wants to start leaning into vulnerability a little bit more and embracing it? Would you have any tips for people who might want to start trying to get a bit more comfortable with the discomfort Mm. of vulnerability? Yeah, um, so I think it's, you know, it's about maybe finding your voice because if that vulnerable voice has never really, you know, um, had the chance to speak, it can be really, really hard to find that voice. So even to start with little things, you know, little things like if you're finding homeschooling really, really difficult um, to actually just sit down with your partner or, you know, somebody who's, who can help you and you know just say Look, I'm, I'm actually really struggling with this and um, I know you think I always have it all together but I actually don't so I need some help here and I think it's those kind of those are the first steps to really just being okay with being able to say those things mm. and to you know not feel like you always have to hold it all yourself Um, that you know to, to actually say that I need some help and support it's not a sign of weakness it's it's actually a sign of somebody who really knows themselves and is striving for the best really for all you know um, and ultimately it's about being really like minding yourself and basic self-care um, which can be really hard if we, we've been programmed to just put the head down and keep going so I'd say, you know, to start with the, the small things, um, to pay attention to your, your breath during the day, pay attention to your body, where is the stress, and um, saying no to things is also, I think, a way of kind of showing up for yourself as well. Um, if something is just not what you need or not what you want, actually give yourself permission to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, you might be opening up a whole conversation then about, well, why are you saying no? You normally say yes to this, and then being able to give yourself the space to say, well, it's because I'm not feeling like I can do this. This is just the, the one other thing that um, is going to tip me over right now, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think really checking in with what we need and starting to use that voice. Brilliant. And, That's great advice. And 
do you think it's important that you you maybe choose who to be vulnerable with or when the right moment to be vulnerable is? I think that can be great if that happens. Um, my own experience is that sometimes it can just come out of nowhere, mm-hmm. um, you know. But I think if I know from myself, so speaking from the eye, I know that if I am minding myself, it doesn't kind of hit the crisis. I can have those conversations before um, I'm in, you know, the corner bawling, crying. Um, so I think, in you know, within my own kind of circle, I definitely can talk to people, um, you know, with my partner, you know, to say what I need. Um, but sometimes I think in life we can kind of catch you off the hop as well, especially during, you know, these times with a global pandemic, I, I think sometimes we don't realise half how exhausted we actually are or how really stressed we are. So I think it's okay as well to, you know, um, to lose it mm, <laughs> and not even know that it's coming, you know. But ideally, yeah, I mean, if you can kind of preempt it and not get to the point where, you know, it's, um, it's a huge thing. Um, to start with the small things and with the people who you really trust and that you know will be receptive. Mm. to um to minding you you know yeah and i think the key thing there that i just took from from the last kind of points that you made about finding your voice and how important that is and if you if you start Mm. doing that and start embracing that and start speaking out a little bit more about what you need or you know establishing your boundaries that it it can help you to not get to that point where it's almost like a breakdown um Mm. kind of revealing of yourself yeah, and, you know, actually, I remember one of the first times, you know, I was asking for some help. I think I was phoning, I don't know whether it was my mother or my mother-in-law. I remember the voice that came out of me. It didn't even sound like my voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so unused to hearing this, you know, you know, just this, this voice that was asking for help. And it sounded so small and so uncertain and really, really quivery. And I just was like, oh, my God, who is that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> And it was me, you know, and I suppose I had to strengthen that voice and get that voice to be able to be more direct and just, you know, more okay with asking as well, that it didn't need to feel small and and quivery. Brilliant. Loretta, thank you so much for sharing all of your experiences and your story and your tips around leaning into vulnerability. And if anyone is looking to, to get in touch with you, where is the best place to find you? So um, on my website um, is www.urban-sacred.com or on Instagram it's urban underscore sacred or um, on my food website it's www.mamabearfoods.ie so either of those will get me Um, and thank you so much for um, having me on. I've really, really enjoyed it. And I, I think you're fab. I think what you're doing is really, really, really beautiful and really authentic. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Loretta. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for tuning in to the Thrive for Life podcast with me, Ashling Daly, and my gorgeous guest, Loretta Kennedy. Be sure to check out Loretta's business websites to find out more about her work. You can check out mamabearfoods.ie or urban-sacred.com. You can also find Loretta on Instagram at mama underscore bearfoods 
or urban underscore sacred. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd absolutely love if you could leave a rating or review on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in on or hit subscribe so that you don't miss a future episode. And if you're sharing this episode on social media, I'd be delighted if you could tag me at thriveforlife.ashlingdaily. Until next time, take care.